Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Today is Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. Uh, We have Andrew Malcolm with us today, as always on Tuesdays. And Andrew and I talk a lot about his new columns over at redstate.com. And all of the news of the day yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoons when we recorded it. So we were talking a lot about the news of the day yesterday and uh, and actually had a really fun sort of wide ranging conversation, as we always do. Be sure to stick around for that because it's an awful lot of fun. Anytime I get a chance to talk with Andrew is uh, a half an hour well spent. And I think our uh, Ed Morrissey Show podcast uh, viewers and listeners think the same as well. We talk about media bias. We talk a little bit about the uh, elections in Italy and how they're covered in the United States. Uh, talking about how there's this full-on freakout over fascism when even uh, Georgia Maloney's political opponents are saying that that's ridiculous. There's a piece at Breitbart today, in fact, and we're going to link it in the headlines a little bit later today, um, with uh, one of the uh, political opponents of Maloney who said it's absolutely ridiculous to say that uh, fascism is returning to Italy. Actually, what he calls it is fake news. And the idea in the United States that somehow a right um, a right-wing coalition is equivalent to the days of Mussolini has got to be actually rather you know, amusing to some extent and and certainly probably very insulting to Italians. Uh, But the American media just feels that it's a binary choice between uh, progressives and fascists. And that's the way that they report the news here. That's the way they analyze election outcomes everywhere around the world. John Gabriel Ricochet actually has a piece about that. Uh, I think it went up late last night. I saw it today. Uh, So that's worth reading. And uh, the Breitbart piece is worth reading, too. Um, And so you'll want to check out all of those. We'll have uh, the latter two linked in our headlines later today. So you'll get a chance to see that probably by about the time the podcast goes up. You'll see those in our headlines. Uh, So Andrew and I talk about that. We also talk about that Washington Post ABC News poll and talk about this is more of a brief conversation. We talk about how uh, we are both suspicious about the lack of likely voter models being applied in the generic ballot this year, uh, even as voters are actually starting to cast ballots in the general election. I, I believe in Pennsylvania, they've already started to do so, and maybe in more, more states than just Pennsylvania. And yet most of the time, what pollsters are reporting are registered voter results, uh, which is not predictive. Likely voter results are predictive. And when you do see the few pollsters that are actually producing likely voter um, uh, reports, it's much more favorable favorable to Republicans. Andrew and I consider the idea that perhaps that's the reason why uh, they're not too keen on producing the likely voter model results. Uh, at any rate, I think that what we're looking at here is still a red wave. I don't think that the, that's abated any. And I think that the latest um, issues on inflation and the possibility of recession probably are going to weigh very heavily on voters over the next few weeks as the rest of them go to the polls in one fashion or another. Anyway, you'll want to, you'll want to listen to Andrew. Um, Andrew and I discuss that uh, in the uh, main part of the podcast today. Today's news, uh, some very interesting news uh, sort of around the world here. And the first thing that I saw when I got up this morning was the fact that There's been an apparent sabotage of the Nord Stream and Nord Stream 2 pipelines that used to pump gas, or at least the Nord Stream 1 pipeline pumped gas from Russia to Germany. They never actually got Nord Stream 2 underway, but that was actually a higher capacity pipeline that was eventually going to eclipse Nord Stream 1 because Nord Stream 1 was aging out a little bit. 
Well, today, both pipelines have had a serious leak somewhere, uh, probably in Danish waters, either Danish or Swedish waters, and it looks like sabotage. And nobody's quite sure <laughs> who did it. Nobody's quite sure why, but the uh, upshot of it is, is that even if Russia and Europe were inclined to start doing uh, energy business again through the pipelines, it may be a while before that's even possible. And that is, uh, that's certainly going to be something that people are going to be looking into. Who done it? Well, that's harder to say because all sorts of people would have had some, would have had some motive uh, into doing that. That is, uh, com that is uh, something that will, will probably chew on for the rest of the week, if not for a while longer. But that was a big story this morning. But the biggest story I think this morning that I've been writing about anyway is the fact that somebody has finally filed a lawsuit against Joe Biden's academia bailout, the student loan debt forgiveness plan that Joe Biden uh, basically made out out of whole cloth, which is the CBO score yesterday came in at $400 billion. You've, there's been projections. Penn Wharton's projection was closer to a trillion dollars, none of which was appropriated by Congress, none of which was authorized by Congress. Pacific Legal Foundation, however, has filed a, a lawsuit on behalf of one of its employees, actually, somebody who is in uh, one of the federal programs that um, that allows for accelerated um, reduction of principal if you are working in public service areas. He's an attorney who actually works for the Pacific Legal Foundation and Frank Garrison. He filed a lawsuit. Pacific Legal Foundation is um, representing him in this lawsuit, and the lawsuit seeks to enjoin the uh, Biden's academia bailout. It seeks to uh, strike down parts of the HEROES Act that they allege that Congress illegally gave um, the executive branch statutory lawmaking authority uh, and uh, seeks, you know, damages, et cetera. The big question here is standing, of course, because you have to show that there's actually some harm, some concrete harm that is irreparable and irrevocable if not enjoined. And they actually make a pretty good argument here, which is that based on how this debt forgiveness is structured, the the forgiveness is taxable income at the state level, in some states, which one of the states is where Frank Garrison lives. And so therefore, it creates a tax liability uh, where none existed on a program that uh, for somebody who was in a program where this debt was going to be paid off within four years anyway, based on his own payments, based on the debt forgiveness that was already built into a particular federal program. And I have a, um, a post up about this. You can read more about the details of that. And so, and so the harm would be irrevocable once the money gets paid out, because at that point he's incurred the tax liability and he can't get, he can't get rid of it. And there's no way to opt out of this. He can, opt to not opt in, but the tax liability would probably still remain. And that's something, of course, that's going to get hashed out in court. It's tricky. I think that they've got an argument for standing here. And I also think that federal judges are going to look at this situation and realize that there has to be some sort of intervention here in order to, uh, in order to deal with the sheer unconstitutionality of what Joe Biden is trying to do. And I think Garrison's lawsuit is probably excuse enough for a judicial intervention here. So I would not be surprised 
if we don't see a temporary injunction forcing the uh, Biden administration to hold off on, on proceeding any further with this, which will then get challenged and go up the up the ladder, of course, um, and then followed probably by some sort of declaratory judgment, which is exactly what the lawsuit asks in uh, in terms of stopping this thing permanently. Uh, I would say the temporary injunction would would follow first. Declaratory judgment may not be uh, in the cards. It might have to go to trial to hash out some of these things. Certainly, the Department of Justice is going to weigh in on this. <clears throat> so uh, a judge is not going to act too precipitously <laughs> in terms of quelching Joe Biden's academia bailout. But I think that this is a legit opportunity to stop this. And it may be one of the few legit opportunities that there is actually out there because Congress won't step up. Um, I mean, there's a real serious Article One, Article, uh, Article Two issue here, in that Joe Biden is basically appropriating money on his own without congressional uh, approval, <clears throat> and he doesn't have the constitutional authority to do that. In fact, it that takes a wrecking ball to the main uh, check and balance that Congress has on the executive branch, which is the power of the purse. If if presidents can just simply appropriate money on their own without congressional approval, then there's no check or balance on the presidency. It becomes an imperial presidency. And bear in mind that what we're talking about here is not shifting around funds that are already appropriated, as Donald Trump did with the with the border wall, which was itself a little constitutionally suspect. Uh, this is just simply appropriating money, period. And again, the Constitution doesn't allow the executive branch to do that. And so the, I'm not sure if the lawsuit really delves into that too much. I did read through the lawsuit. Um, they're more focusing on the Heroes Act language that sort of semi uh, made it sound as though they had handed uh, the presidency a blank check. And they're looking to strike those um, those clauses out of the Heroes Act as part of the as part of the judicial complaint here. So something to keep a real eye on. And I'm going to be interviewing one of the attorneys involved a little later today. It'll be on tomorrow's podcast uh, from Pacific Legal Foundation to talk about this very story. So you'll definitely want to tune into tomorrow's podcast and hear what they have to say about standing, about where uh, where the argument is going. I want to ask them about the um, the issue of Article 1, Article 2 uh, appropriation, checks and balances. Um We'll, t we'll get into all of that, and it'll be a really fun podcast interview. These are good guys over at Pacific Legal Foundation. PacificLegal.org, I believe, is their website if you want to check that out. There's lots of different stuff on the site today, though. David Strom has a really great VIP uh, column up today about the global push for censorship, including a call from New Zealand's prime minister for a UN-run speech police. I think it's a really important topic. Also kind of underscores why we want um, to have the, the VIP and VIP gold membership plan so that we can make sure that we are, uh, you know, we're independent enough to operate and to, and to criticize this without getting shut down by big tech platforms. So again, UN run speech police, global censorship push gains momentum, brand new VIP uh, column from, uh, in the first VIP column from David Strom. You'll definitely want to read that. There's lots of good stuff. Beach Wellborn's going to have a bunch of stuff today, by the way. I think she's got to have three posts up maybe today, maybe even more than that. Uh, she had a good one about the uh, Tomahawk Chop and the Atlanta Braves, neither of which I like, by the way, but neither of which I'd want to 
you know, quelch either. <laughs> so uh, it's a really good post. I don't think she likes the Atlanta Braves. I mean, I'm a Dodger fan. So, you know, my Atlanta Braves thing goes way back. Um, and the Tomahawk chop can't stand it. Cannot stand it. But so what? <laughs> that doesn't mean it should be outlawed. And it's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, or, or, or censored, if you will. It's it's absurd. So Beach has got a great post up on that. Karen Townsend has um, has an analysis of a New York Post uh, article on Mayor Eric Adams and and his um, and his uh, calculus on uh, migrants coming to the um, migrants coming to New York City. Plus, David Strom has another post up this morning about the Atlantic, which calls into question whether or not a uh, a COVID vaccine shot. Um, made a doctor's cancer worse. And I mean, it's sort of worth noting that the Atlantic ran this now. I think three months ago, if anybody else had written this, it would have been blocked on the social media platforms. David talks about that as well. So lots of great content up today at hotair.com. Stay tuned for my weekly chat with Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, the regent of Red State, right here at the Ed Morrissey Show. And then stay tuned for a final word on how you can subscribe and help support our efforts here to uh, have a open debate on conservative values. Thanks for watching. We'll be back tomorrow. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. As always on Tuesdays, we have the Prince of Twitter, Andrew Malcolm at AH Malcolm on Twitter. He's also the regent of redstate.com doing his VIP thing over at Red State. And uh, the Prince of Twitter does not get promoted to king, but he doesn't need to be. <laughs> well, like I found that the king office was uh, the way I watched it. It was just much too time consuming. And uh, especially on Tuesdays, it would, it would wipe out my my days with Ed. So, so yeah, exactly. I, I, I think I, I think Prince, it's it's a title. It's it's a, it's a high title, but it doesn't throw yeah. any work on you, right? I mean, yeah, you can... exactly right, exactly right. And uh, you get the prestige without the uh, the duties. That's true, and you can also tell you know you can also tell your servants to clean up the to clean, clean up, the up desk yeah, for you. clean up clean up. Uh, I, okay. I shouldn't have to move this mouse get someone in here to move the mouse for me and then peel me a grape <laughs> <laughs> all right enough of picking on enough of picking on bonnie king charlie these days but um but uh, we got lots of we, we actually have some stuff to discuss about um uh, about Europe, we want to get to the Italian elections in just a bit. But first off, I was stunned because I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh, the region of Red States column uh, columns over at the over at VIP. I was stunned to find out that it's not bad enough that we've got one Joe Biden. <laughs> sounds like we've got two. What yeah. the heck, Andrew? Is 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 this some sort of multiplicity thing? Will it will be four tomorrow? Because I mean, this is bad enough. Yeah, there's a strange force field in effect. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I was struck. You know, uh, I, I, I. Of course, everybody. Well, not everybody, but most everybody watches him and his when he was at that uh, entrepreneurship thing where he finished his remarks and walked over to the dark side of the stage and held his hands out like, what do I do now? He, he didn't know how to exit the stage. So we're kind of familiar with that, but I was reading, he's doing all of a sudden uh, a 
a bunch of fundraising speeches and appearances for the Democratic National Committee. And uh, he spoke to the teachers union to raise money. Uh, you know, he hasn't done as many fundraising uh, events as Obama. Obama, you know, averaged one a week for his 417 weeks in office. That's a lot of fundraising speeches. Yes, it is. Yeah. It, it wasn't for house races either. It was for Barack Obama. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, he even did two of them. Remember, um, well, no one will forget Benghazi. The next yep. day, before the bodies were cold, he did two fundraising speeches. Uh, so, but O'Biden, uh, O'Biden, O'Biden, <laughs> yeah, O'Biden, Biden hasn't kept up with that, but he's done a bunch. And I, so I started to read them and I was struck because, um, well, fundraising speeches are different and I won't take away everything from the column, but fundraising speeches are supposed to be casual, informal, to let you get a feel for the guy, uh, off stage, it isn't really off stage, but um, and so they're not really teleprompter speeches, right? Uh, and, and I was, I'd have to say, impressed. The guy went through his legislative agenda boom, 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 boom. He was coherent, you know, he would pause uh, sometimes, not for 20 seconds, like he often does. Um, and he was quick as one of the audience members cell phones went off right in the middle of he was talking about his cancer campaign. And the cell phone went off and ringing and he said, that's probably Trump again, just, you know, quick like that, which I don't think many people would expect him uh, to be quick. It wasn't like, uh, could you leave the room or anything? It was a, a quick. Right. Um, and um, so he he was um, he's not fundraising his fundraising speeches are not they're not uh, confined shall we say by truth um, and so he goes on and on about some things that really aren't true but the nice thing for politicians about fundraising speeches is that every joke they say is hilarious and everything they say with a little bit of emphasis gets applause i think ed we should have an applause thing here where you could push, yeah you could push the button when i say something and there'll be a pause and everyone you, you know what i think would be much more valuable than the applause thing would be laughter no laughter, La laughter. No, no, no. <laughs> i yeah. mean it's fine it's fine not to you know it's it's well it's not fine not to get applause when you have an applause line i mean you know you had both nancy pelosi just to be, make sure that we're bipartisan about this You've had both Nancy Pelosi and Jeb Bush have their please clap moments. Yes, yes. <laughs> Never exactly. a good sign. But it's even worse, I think, when when you when you think you're supposed to be getting a laugh and you can hear a pin drop. So yeah, I, nothing between nothing the two, happened. I think laugh would be better. Yeah, you didn't you didn't set it up right. It's just it's it's painful, especially if you're involved <laughs> with with organizing the event. Uh, you know. So then he says, "Well, you get the radio." What? <laughs> and there's dead silence. And you just Ooh, oh, brutal. Yeah, brutal. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. That's the word. So I wanted to look into that and it was it was striking to me. It was like two different Bidens. And um uh 
I, I'm not quite sure what to make of it, except maybe they drug him up more for the fundraisers. Um, or, but, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a text. He didn't have a teleprompter. And he went boom, 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 right through uh, uh, what you would expect him uh, to do. And, about, and with, with the acknowledgments at the beginning that can sometimes seem endless. Oh, there's Martha. We've, we go back a long ways. And there's Bill and all that stuff. And you know how they wave, they point at the audience. Everyone yep. in the audience thinks they just pointed at him. Uh, well, that's a that's a practice move. You point and swing your arm, and everybody in that swing feels like, oh, he he pointed at me. So anyway, there's there's an element, a real element of show business to it, and I enjoyed being involved in those things and seeing them, seeing how they run. Um, and um, so I thought I would share the sort of the inside mechanics of it. But right. and, and what struck me was that, that Biden was actually uh, coherent. <laughs> OK, so that's one differentiation that we've got. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, that hasn't always been the case. What was the thing that the Free Beacon did last week? I, I, I put it up as the word of the day in the headlines is. I, don't, I can't even say the word, but he was, you know, Joe Biden starts talking oh. and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And actually, I know he didn't do that on purpose. He couldn't say the word. But Steve right. Martin did that when he was getting an award one time. He says, I want to thank both of my agents, Mel and Bill. And, <laughs> and, and of course, the audience goes crazy. And he goes through a whole list of acknowledgments so, of nonsense words um yeah. but i don't think joe biden was being humorous on purpose no i don't think joe biden is a wild and crazy guy I, you know <laughs> he didn't have an arrow through his head didn't have an arrow through his head wasn't playing a banjo by the way just as an aside steve martin is an amazing banjo player yes he is actually a very accomplished bluegrass uh musician and um and when and I was a, a kid, you know, painter too. He paints. And... He paints. He writes. He's a really good writer too. Um, but when you know, when I was a teenager, that's when Steve Martin really hit it big, right? And he carried that banjo out on stage. And I remember watching, you know, like the concert film of this, thinking he's going to do something silly with the banjo because he's got the arrow through his head and all this. Yeah. Starts. He starts playing the banjo, and I mean, it's really amazing. And this yeah. is in the uh, late 1970s, I guess, probably 78, 79, when I was watching this thing, and it was like I was just floored by it anyway steve well, martin a, a few years a few years ago i saw his uh his show in las vegas with uh, martin short oh and, i saw a video of that it's a great show yeah yeah and he does he does quite a quite a banjo bit there yeah uh, I, i've actually seen him just in concert now you know uh, recently i think a few years ago uh just doing a concert bluegrass concert um i think it was actually a um fundraiser if i'm not mistaken but i mean he's up on stage for quite a while playing uh bluegrass and um yeah i mean he's I just remember, uh, accomplished. remember um what was it uh, he, he did a thing about L los angeles la story la story fantastic yeah. film, he, fantastic he's, he's, film. Ta he's talking to this to the freeway signs but the yes. thing i the thing i love was he was he was going to visit someone then he goes out walks out the front of his house gets in his car drives past the next driveway and parks in front of the neighbor's house and goes in 
<laughs> the music, music fanfare. Yeah, that's yeah. very Los Angeles. Yeah, we're, he was going next car, so he drove his car. <laughs> it yeah. is. It is. Um, the, yeah, the, the whole sequence with, you know, hello, I'm Bob. I'll be your robber tonight. Oh, here, here you go, Bob, at the ATM machine. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, where he would he would go in and and uh, he was a weatherman for TV station and he would go in and tape the week's weather on one day so he could have the rest of the week off. <laughs> Well, in Los Angeles, you can almost get away with that, yeah, but uh, yeah, not in the film. You, you didn't get away with it in the film, but as long as as long as you're not there in November when the first rain comes, because right. the streets are covered with dust and becomes very slippery mud, and everyone in California has forgotten how to drive on slippery streets, wow. so yeah, they go all over the place. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about some media stories here. By the way, go to redstate.com. That's that's Andrew's VIP column. He's also got his new Malcolm on the right. Uh, Biden plans to release all of Gitmo's remaining terrorists. That was on, that was actually Friday's Malcolm on the right. Excuse me, maybe it was Thursday's actually, now I'm thinking about it. Thursday's Malcolm on the right. Uh, But you can get all that stuff at redstate.com. I want to talk to you about a couple of media stories. The first is, the the first is the Italian elections. I, I, you know, I, I am cowering in fear under my bed because apparently if you listen to the American media, Italians just voted for, Benito Mussolini Jr. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> who, yeah. Who exactly. frankly looks a lot better than Benito Mussolini Sr. And I mean, it's not just the U.S. It's BBC too. I mean, they're all, it's a hard, it's a far right, a far right coalition that has its roots in, in uh, you know, uh, Mussolini's fascist party. Well, yeah, okay. It's it's a successor party of a successor party of that party, which was outlawed, and they're not fascist. They're conservative, but they're not fascist. And but you know, there's something the, else to this election, Ed. What's that? It's a woman. Hello. Yeah, it's a woman. It's 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 Italy's first female prime minister, assuming yeah, everything exactly, but never mind yeah. that because she's conservative, she can't be. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't qualify as a woman. I mean, this is your typical. I mean, she's basically. I don't know. I mean, if you're going to do an American analog of, of of this, she's probably basically, you know, Nikki Haley, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's 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 a. Um, you know, they talk about nationalism in terms of some sort of radical, uh, you know, radical issue, but nationalism has a different meaning in Europe where the countries have been under the thumb of Brussels for the last generation. And they're frankly getting tired of it. The Sweden got tired of it last week. The Brits got tired of it a few years ago with Brexit. Um, the Eastern European countries are all getting tired of listening to Brussels. Um, they want to share a common market, but they don't really, they're no longer really buying into a, a one continent government. And that's, that's coming up time and time and time again in um in countries italy is a very you know very interesting example of that but that's what's meant by nationalism and it's not it's not nazis it's not you know mussolini's fascists all over again it's simply that they want more self-determination than they've been able to get under brussels and especially in areas uh of um abortion She's very much pro-life um, and she's very much against, you know, the trans ideology that seems to be, you know, this sort of social contagion that's just ripping through the West right now. And um, sexual, she says yes to sexual identity, no to gender identity, 
you know, yes to life, no to, you know, yes to a culture of life, no to a culture of death, um, which would put her basically in the Nikki Haley range, right? <laughs> I mean, economically, she's not even really, she's more populist than capitalist. Um, so maybe even on a, maybe even on an, uh, on a good day, a K. Bailey Hutchinson, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Andrew, they're talking about her like she's the second coming of the Third Reich. And it's yeah, ridiculous. It's absolutely it, ridiculous. It is. And people are buying it. I mean, I've already yeah. talked to people who uh, who, who bought uh, bought into it. It's a what's the word? It, it's um, it's a trigger. Uh, and yeah. and that's what Putin is trying uh, to justify his invasion of Ukraine. That was where we're ousting Nazis. You know, yeah. there's, there's no Nazis in, in Ukraine. Yeah. It, it's it, <laughs> they well, this under is, the Nazis. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, Putin's a, a, a whole different issue. You got Patriarch Kirill telling Russians. Oh, now, isn't that hilarious? Is it, that's, well, I mean, it'd be hilarious under any other circumstances, but I mean, they're, they're trying to mobilize another few hundred thousand men, maybe as many as a million men who don't want to be mobilized. And you've got the, 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 the highest prelate in the Russian Orthodox Church telling them that you can go to Ukraine and die there and it will cleanse your sins. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, he said, I can't be with you. I have a dentist appointment. <laughs> yeah. You notice that Carol's saying that from the, from, from the comfort of Moscow. Right. I don't see Carol going I'd love, into. I'd love to go with you, but you know, my boots are at the cleaners and um, I'm just, I'm just totally tied up. I, However, I, I, go there and be cleansed. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't have any sins that need cleansing, so I won't be there with you or my <laughs> favorite excuse, which came from a guy who used to work for me years and years and years ago. Oh, I I'm, I'm sorry. I've got a bone in my foot. <laughs> Oh. That's that's Kiro, that's Kiro's that's Kiro's excuse. I, well, isn't I can't be there. I've got a bone in my foot. I mean, I think I'm not Catholic, but I think it'd be uh, relatively easier and less messy to just um, do a confession. Don't you think? Yeah, that was how I, that's how we let off that post. You know, this is why I prefer Catholicism. All we need is confession. Um, and I mean, it's it's clear that this is desperation mode for for Vladimir Putin. And I mean, we weren't going to necessarily talk about this, but um, but you know, the, the the this mobilization and I mean, they're basically doing impressment, right? They were going to anti-war protests and drafting people who were in the streets protesting the war. Now, <laughs> that type of and they're going to stick and they're going to stick, you know, rifles in these people's hands and try to send them to Ukraine. And likely cannon, the, just cannon fodder is what it is. Well, I mean, if, if they even get up to the line, I mean, the, the most likely outcome of this is that they're going to start fragging their officers and running back for the border. You know, Zelensky, uh, he speaks to the nation uh, on video every day. Yep. And uh, today or yesterday, he said he had a three point plan and he was offering any Russian who voluntarily surrendered to guarantee them. Uh, that um, they would be treated well, and no one would know that their surrender was voluntary ever. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you get sent over there, you don't want to be, uh, and um, say, well, okay, here, you can take my gun, and I'll just kind of sit out the rest of it. 
you know, the, 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 in the beginning of this war, they had Chechen units that were behind the lines and the Chechen units were there to shoot Russians who tried to, who tried to desert. That was how they kept, that was how they kept Russians on, on the lines is to have the Chechens behind them threatening to kill them if they left the lines. Um, the Chechens, I think, are pretty much gone now. I, I mean, I, I, if they weren't already sent to the front themselves and getting, you know, getting shredded up by uh, the Ukrainian counteroffensive, they're going to be there shortly. So I don't know how they intend to put a, you know, put cohesive discipline on this new mobilization. It makes no sense whatsoever. This well, is the, guy mobiliza just the, mobiliz the mobilization is uh, people, people who've had previous military experience so yeah. pre presumably they won't need it's supposed months. to be yeah supposedly they won't need months of training and um <laughs> it was to me it was a chuckle because it doesn't involve me but uh today putin granted edward snowden citizenship isn't Russia. that interesting <laughs> yeah and while they were announcing it while they were announcing it Snowden's attorney preemptively said, uh, and yeah, he can't serve in the military because he has he can't be drafted because he has no military experience. Yeah, that isn't how, that isn't that. I mean, in practice, that's not how it's working. They're drafting guys who've never been in the military. They're drafting anti-war protesters off the streets. Um, I mean, they're using this basically as an impressment campaign. They're going out. Most of that is taking place outside of you know, uh, Moscow and St. Petersburg, but some of it's now taking place inside there because they just need the numbers. And uh, even the, even, you know, Putin's cheerleaders, like the, uh, I can't think of her name. Is it Marguerite Sim, uh, Simonian at RT yeah. was, was saying, Hey, you know, th th this is getting all screwed up. You're getting people in there. It's 63 year old diabetics. And, and this guy who's, you know, disabled and they're being drafted. And it's like, yeah, well, welcome to welcome to your um, welcome to your the, the the state that you wish to create. This is exactly what this is exactly what you wanted. And um, anyway, um, oh, so it's amazing! It's amazing. There's there's so many things going on. There was a a, a a meme that I posted today on Twitter that said, "You know, I really do need to get in shape, but um, I've been putting it off because I think the world is." perhaps getting close to coming to an end and I don't want to invest any effort in something futile. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, let's talk about I meant I meant to go jogging today, but I forgot. It's six yeah. years running now. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about one more thing about media bias. And that is the Washington Post ABC News poll. Now this is you know, they, they do polling all the time. Washington Post, ABC, they've been combining for years to do election polling. And their latest polling came out on Sunday, which was interesting in and of itself. And it showed that Republicans had a one point advantage in the generic ballot when you looked at registered voters. <laughs> and when you're looking at, however, likely voters, it turned out to be an R plus five lead. And Joe Biden had a job approval rating of 39%. And the Democrats' favorite issues are at the bottom of the list, abortion and climate change, inflation, yeah. economy, immigration, crime, all rank above that, right? And 
Andrew Wayne, it's one thing where we can we can dissect polls all day long. We do that often enough at Hot Air anyway. But I mean, what I'm interested in here is the fact that a the Washington Post reported the registered voter number rather than the likely voter number. You had to go to Langer, who's their pollster, and look at their memo, which Langer put up the likely voter model number near the top of its report. Washington Post sort of buried it. And um, why they're even bothering with registered voter uh, reports anyway, you already have people voting in this election in, in places like Pennsylvania. This is when you're supposed to see likely voter models, and yet there's hardly any likely well, voter yeah. polls you know, being like, Likely voters die in darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the democracy dies in darkness um, uh, newspaper, and they're keeping polls in darkness. What's up with that? It's it's so blatant. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I I I get speechless because I can't I can't explain it. Everybody sees it, so they're not really successfully hiding anything. They're just blithely going along. It's like Joe Biden saying, "When this is." was in the column too. Yeah. It was Joe Biden saying, oh no, the economy's going great. And and blah, 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 blah. And nobody calls him on it and he just blithe and he'll say it again later. It it's an alternate reality. Yeah. What it is. And that column last week, which we talked about, was 1984 and double speak. And that's that's what we're getting all the time. You know, it's interesting you mentioned 1984 is because, you know, the the second half of our um, amiable skeptics featuring Adam Baldwin uh, went up yesterday, today, as we're talking on Monday, recording this on Monday, um, as the podcast comes out, it'll be yesterday. And I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about is George Orwell's warning about language in in terms of tyranny. And if you read 1984, 1984 is a lot of different warnings about tyranny, right? New speak and 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 um, and the way that they change not just history but actually the definition of words is a very key element of what Orwell was warning about and and we're seeing that we're seeing that now in terms of destroying what the definition of you know a pronoun is or defining what um, you know what male and female mean or defining what a family means and. Yeah. Uh, defining it for that matter defining what fascist means i mean they're fascist nazis i mean these are it around yeah my my favorite quote from 1984 was it's a beautiful thing the destruction of language yeah yeah and that's what's happening when when you're calling somebody who's just a um, you know just a, a regular conservative a nazi or a fascist you're destroying the language and all you're really communicating is I don't like that person. The problem you're communicating is, that you're desperate because you can't make a coherent um, argument. Right. What you're doing is you're othering the person so that they so that you don't have to debate them. Right. Well, this person believes that th- that men are men and women are women. Well, that makes him a fascist, and I don't I don't debate fascists. Right. I mean, that's right. that's kind of what I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying it, but that's really the process that we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's creepy and it's disturbing. And you, you have to hope 
in the past where we've had these momentary, I hope momentary, passions erupt, uh, the pendulum has swung back. Yep. Um, and uh, there was a cartoon that I tweeted on, uh, on t- Twitter last week, and it, it was one of those metronomes from, you know, piano practice. And yes. uh, when the needle going back and forth, and on one side it says, we have a bright future ahead. And the other side says, we are totally screwed. <laughs> Doom! Doom. <laughs> yeah, except, except it didn't say screwed, but yeah, back and forth. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Andrew, we're coming to the end of our, our usual Tuesday follies here. Um, but I'm not sure if you've got jokes of the oh, week. Oh, no, I did. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. They're All old. Right. They're older ones. Uh, Those are the better ones anyway. Yeah, we say, um, what do we got? Pre-owned pre-owned jokes there you go pre-owned pre-owned late night jokes i like that. yeah right so jimmy fallon said uh there's a study says 75 percent of women drink alcohol before sex to boost their confidence the same study found that 100 percent of men also gain confidence when women drink before sex (laughs) (laughs) um and jay leno said um Someone left threatening messages on the White House Facebook page. The Secret Service takes these very seriously and warns that if caught, you will be unfriended. Wow, that is difficult. That's tough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, not blocked, just unfriended. Just unfriended, yeah. No, yeah. I'm, let's not get radical. No, exactly. And uh, let's see, we got another one here. Um, uh Seth Myers, he said, uh, New York's Carnegie Deli has launched a new menu item called the Fashion Sandwich, which is free for any professional model who can finish it. They're 10 inches in diameter and weigh in at over six pounds. No word yet on how big the sandwiches are. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> On that note. Yeah, On that moving note. right along. Hey-o. Hey-o. Andrew Malcolm is the prince of Twitter at AH Malcolm on the Twitters is he's the regent of redstate.com. Go over to redstate.com and go to Twitter at AH Malcolm for all the links of all things Andrew. Andrew, thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk to you again next week. You bet, Ed. Uh, see you then. Bye, everybody. See you then. Stay tuned for just a little bit more from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Thank you for watching or listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and through the Town Hall Media Player, or you can just come to hotair.com and watch my podcast for free. However, I'd also love to have you join us as members of our VIP and VIP Gold programs. That allows us to defeat the stranglehold that big tech has on information and get you the best information that we possibly can. Plus, we have a lot of new value-added content coming to us from Town Hall Media uh, stars and my good friend Adam Baldwin. He and I are doing the video series, The Amiable Skeptics. It's one hour of discussion a week strictly for our VIP and VIP Gold members. 
Plus, we have our VIP Gold Chat with Kem Edwards every Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. We'd love to have you as members. Be sure to join up. Thanks again for watching the Ed Morrissey Show podcast.